0: Right, blockaders. You know what time it is. It's time to sit down with the man, the myth, the legend himself. After a high day of clamming, Mister Robin, vote. Let's sit back, relax, and make the jump into a galaxy far, far away. Man, rumor has it that galaxy's even out far past Dorchester. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back to Make the Jump here from the BrickCityBlockade.com podcast network. It's your guy right here, Mr. Robin Vogt. I'm sure, as I always say, sometimes you get tired of hearing my voice, sometimes you don't. That's why Scott Inch and some of the others are here at the network, including Mr. James Brown himself. But on this special episode of Make the Jump, uh, sitting across from me, and I didn't even know that this guy was literally just an hour away from me. We've been friends on Facebook. We've known each other on Twitter now for a while, and I finally got him here on Make the Jump. It's Mr. John Bishop Jr., of course, from the friendom itself, also part of making Star Wars. John, how's it going today, my friend?
1: It's great. Great. I woke up this morning and uh, on my other side of the beat, I write about Disney. And there was a terrific article about Iger and Barons this morning. And uh, Ah. he was talking about they were talking about uh, Star Wars land. And I just got back from there. So it was kind of full circle for me, even though I am following a a little bit of a post- Disney depression thing going on <laughs>
0: right. right now. So. Yeah, it's always hard and I can totally attest to this as well. When you come back from somewhere and you come back to New England, it's like, "Oh, there's the freezing cold again." Oh, come on, really? And uh, I'm sure John, please tell us what was your Disney experience like? I haven't been down there in a very long time. I lived in Sarasota for the longest time. Never really got a chance to get to Disney. So, I kind of live it through the stories of people who have been there. So, give give us all you like your little background on the experience that you had at Disney recently.
1: Well, I write for uh, dsnynewscast.com, and mm-hmm. one of the things that I've been doing is following the um, Galaxy's Edge beat, and Jack oh, yeah. Kendall, who is our our uh, impresario over there, he, mm-hmm. he's done a really good job of keeping in on the inside info. But the the truth of the matter is is now it's very clear that they're coming to fruition. I know that the, right. uh, the Millennium Falcon's getting finished just like it did over in disneyland uh, resort over in california right um you're beginning to see they're pulling together the transition pieces mm-hmm. there are you know trees that are now blocking a lot of the views between um the muppet section and um, and Gal- galaxy's edge so right. I- yeah they're they're trying to uh keep that immersive experience in each of the lands um you know, one of the nice things is is that Hollywood Studios is my favorite park. If if there mm-hmm. was such a thing as a home park, Hollywood Studios always has been. I've I've always been fascinated by movies um, for right. a long time. I, all I watched were old black and white films. So the right. uh, transition to uh, an adventure in the movies, as opposed to how they make the movies, uh, seems pretty seamless. Mm. Um, although there are moments where I'm like, what are they going to do? with you know star tours and the right, tattoo right. traders and there's moments where i'm like i don't know if they're going to keep this the way it is mm. and um you know jack has always been of the opinion that they're going to get rid of um star tours but there's no plans in that and then they had a very easy out when they closed down the disneyland um jedi training center uh-huh. and you know there was this real speculation that this was the end game for anything outside of Galaxy's Edge.
0: Interesting, uh,
1: and they did not do that in right. Walt Disney World. They kept it open and said it steadfastly that it was staying open. So, huh? You know, and there's there's stuff in between Star Wars Land and the Jedi Training Center slash, mm-hmm. you know, um, get, uh, Star Tours and whatever. But Star Tours, one of the things people. Have to remember about these decisions that they make. They're often made because they need to eat people, right? right? They need right. to be able to have capacity. Absolutely. And one of the things that they're not, they're clearly not sure about is how all of this is going to work. One of the things uh-huh. that um, is really interesting, at least to a, a theme park slash Star Wars geek like me, <laughs> is how packed it was when they did Toy Story Land.
0: Oh, oh, geez, it, it's I can ridiculous!
1: Imagine. It's ridiculous. I mean, at you know, as somebody who loves theme parks, mm-hmm. um, I will not go in there unless someone asks me to. Interesting. Um, and part of the reason is is that one edge of Toy Story Land abuts directly with Star Wars Land, oh. so there is this wondering about how they're going to move people from here to, to there. And then prior to the Disney part of my vacation, I went to Universal. <laughs> um, and the coolest thing about that is that they have a Mel's Diner, which is based on uh, American graffiti. <laughs> so course. I was in—I was in my heaven for the most part in that space, but the rest yeah. of it, I, my my son, who's eight, really wanted to see the Wizarding World. Of and uh, as a marginal Harry Potter fan, I, I was like, "All right, we'll do that." And then I realized what I was watching was Star Wars Land come yeah. to fruition, and you know that you hear things about the blasters or. Um, Uh, lightsabers that might be used in Mm -hmm. in a virtual way and you're watching you know 200 harry potter wannabes with their robes on and i'm talking (laughs) from you know you know we're talking people from 80 down to eight sure all waving their wands around and you can't walk you literally can't walk so um other than that i mean the wizarding world is I, i think set the standard for that immersive environment so I believe Disney has that in hand I believe that they know what they are bringing to the table is going to be that plus a bag of chips mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. At, at some point I'm wondering how it's all going to work because it, it, you know the casual fan uh-huh. um is not going to walk want to walk in there and you know be beat up <laughs> by people <swinging laughs> right, lightsabers, right and and you know for the for the little kid who all he wants to do is pilot the Millennium Falcon. I mean, that's going to be really difficult to do, especially if your if your family is less than, you know, how many seats are in the in the pot. So, mm-hmm. it 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 all is so interesting to me, and the way that Iger has talked about Bob Iger, the CEO of, of Walt Disney, right. uh, has talked about how to manage Star Wars and how important it is to be on the cutting edge and and mm-hmm. and in what they do all altogether. I'm believing that they have a solution in mind, but it'll be. Really interesting to see um, how those crowds are managed uh, early on.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting point, John. And it was something that I actually have recently discussed with a lot of the uh, podcast members. We actually took a drive down to Lancaster, Pennsylvania not that long ago. And uh, we were uh, in the car and we were talking about some of the different aspects that Disney's going to bring to Star Wars Land. some of the conversations probably that Bob Iger and Kathleen Kennedy have been having behind the scenes about how they're going to handle the marketing of Star Wars Land itself. And the one fascinating thing to me, John, and one of the points you brought up there was this whole conversation around how they're going to push forward, moving people through this park, number one, and... The marketing of it, and the one thing I've noticed more recently, and maybe you can speak more to this, is that, yeah, they've been talking about the Millennium Falcon experience. They've been talking about some of the individual rides built within Star Wars Land. But that fully immersive experience where you're going to be chased by stormtroopers, the whole lightsaber experience... They haven't really pushed that forward yet, and I'm wondering if it's because of stuff that you're talking about specifically. They don't want to get into that yet because parents are going to see that, and they're going to say, oh, that's a little bit too much. We're casual Star Wars fans. We are, we are a family who goes and watches the films, but we don't necessarily want that piece. Do you, do you feel that there's technically a marketing divide, which sometimes happens at these points, where you want to push the marketing for one aspect of your theme park, but leave the other part out for the other side of the fandom. Do you feel like there's some kind of pull happening in there?
1: I actually think it has more to do with money and, okay. and being. I mean, it as much as I adore Disney and I, I love everything we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um I I really feel as if the, the way that they're gonna have to do this is is based on space in the park, right? Right. Right. And do they want to introduce the whole immersive experience immediately and then have, you know, three hour waits just to right. get in. And then this whole expectation level of the point system and everything that Jack has talked about on his podcast and right. and Jason has written about um all of these things. I mean you're gonna have people just really just walking around and turning their heads in awe. Right. Um, and so, you know, one of the things I think is probably going to happen is, and Jason touched upon this um, at one point, is that he feels like there's going to be seasons, and that every season will introduce something new. Right? Oh,
0: that's a smart approach. Yeah, yeah.
1: And and he, you should ask him about that. And I think Jack kind of picked up on it too. That you know, some of these patents were just filed, right? You know, last year, and and a lot of this stuff may have to be done with you know, certain glasses on or things like that. Now, right. one of the neat things that most Disney fans, I think most casual Disney fans don't even realize is that at various times throughout their parks day, people are playing games, particularly in the Magic Kingdom, that that you wouldn't even realize. So right. they have yeah. the, the Wizards Cluster, I forget what it was called. But in any case, there are people using wands and things within... Mm-hmm the magic kingdom and you really don't, you know, they're immersed, you know, in in whatever they're doing, but you, you aren't. So I think that there's probably a happy medium there, um, Mm -hmm. of people who have, you know, people who are, you know, 20, 18, 16 and really want to work on their points, uh, for a particular day within the system. And, and then are, you know, those people who are going to be high end enough to want to do the three to five day stay in the, the Disney hotel, I think those experiences are going to be exclusive and, and a little bit more lucrative for the company, Mm -hmm. um, than the, the general kid picking up a wand, uh, picking, pardon me, a picking up a lightsaber a la Harry Potter. And I do think that we're probably going to get to the point where, um, it will be sort of requisite to have a lightsaber on your, on your, or, or something on your side as you're going through and you're collecting your points and you're doing a good job on the millennium Falcon and in the, um, the uh, the other dark ride, I, I. But do I think it'll be there imedi- immediately? I really don't. I, I don't see how right. it, they can because it's going to be wall to wall people, and Absolutely. all you have to do is look, you know, a you know, hundred yards away in Toy Story Land. It's packed. It's so hot. It's so, it's so, <laughs> right. you know, now they've, they've mitigated that with a lot of the shade uh, that's created by the, the spires. Right. Um, and there's enough for people to look at and enough places for people to go. I think that they think they, that they'll have an idea of how many people can be in at one single time. But, right. uh, and I also think that one of the good things that's happening at Walt Disney world, as opposed to uh, Disneyland is that it's going to open in the fall. So there's going to be a whole lot of people uh, yes. in, in, in school at that time. And so you'll have a certain amount of diehards, which I think will come down for a week, week or two, but then they'll be able to look at what's going on and, and sort of make on the fly decision, make you know decisions on what's going on going forward.
0: Right. Yeah. You're not doing this. You're not opening this thing during the winter of 2019. You're not trying to push this thing during the times when you know, Florida is absolutely packed and pushing in a lot of people coming out of uh, Sanford, Orlando there and uh yeah i think that that's a very smart approach it i think one of the best things about this ex- immersive experience that we're going to have is it's everything that we've wanted as a kid it's everything as a star wars fan that we've kind of always wanted to, to be able to be part of that galaxy far far away and since the acquisition of star wars by disney we were always wondering well disney's buying it where's the where's the star wars land where's the star wars theme park And then Bob Iger and the entire team are able to put something together like this. It really is very special. It's something that I don't think in 2012 we truly had any idea about. There were talks, of course, that, yeah, you know what? Buying this property, of course, they're going to do something at Disney. But it was never set in stone to begin with. And this is just such an exciting time to be a Star Wars fan. John, I'm sure you can attest to that as well. It's one of those times where it's just between the books, between the theme parks, between the films, between just television, even now with The Mandalorian. There's so many different aspects of the Star Wars universe that just pulls you in. And John, what's one thing right now that you are super excited about in 2019? Because I know we've got a ton of Star Wars coming next year.
1: You know, I I wouldn't have said this a couple weeks ago, but the coming to fruition of the Star Wars comic Mm -hmm. um, has me really wondering You know what direction um the guy named sewell who writes that uh, ah, Darth vader
0: sewell, yeah
1: i i gotta believe he's gonna be on a project or two yeah you know they allowed him to write about you know darth vader's origins mm-hmm. and uh, you know beyond the obvious you know right. i'm a little disappointed if that there was no star wars movie this this fall right. um it, the I really and, and you can tell by my tweets and everything I did in and around it. I really enjoyed Solo. I thought yes. I thought Solo was amongst the better films I saw this year. You know, right. I'm a Star Wars fan so I'm going to say yeah, it's the best. But, you know, does it does it does it compare to the the things that are um, you know, Mary Poppins is evoking or the the pushing of the envelope of the animated genre in uh Spider-Man or or it Ralph? No, but in Mm -hmm. in my heart of hearts, this story, this backstory meant a lot to me. And I think that that's a lot of what's going on in these comics. Right. Um, You know, and the idea that every week I can go to the comic shop Uh and have a little bit of canon filled out um, is amazing to a person who literally didn't have anything to watch.
0: Right. uh, Right.
1: You know, really new or really, you know evocative of of the first three uh between 1983 and then when when um the phantom menace came out so it, it you know i filled my time at that point with robotech and <laughs> right and um you know to a certain extent uh all the other cartoons that were going on uh, so some certain amount of nostalgia for uh, other things that i had seen but really uh-huh. this this we're in I, I would imagine that people would call the the first 3 sort of that golden age. But mm-hmm. a, you know, as somebody who was actually reading the comics at the time, those comics sucked. <laughs> you know, like like I'm sorry, you know, like I I, I everyone is so all no, it's over true. the EU and all this. Like I did know. you ever try to read the EU in order or did you try to get Uh-oh. through me, the the Med Star duology? Uh-oh. Oh my god, I I like, like all this stuff makes me so upset and yes i'm an old man so then i can say yes i was there in 77 when the first one came out i don't expect any special privileges but i can also <laughs> look back and say what we have now is yeah. better than what we had then yeah. and and you know respecting the original trilogy as sacrosanct mm-hmm. everything else that was coming out at that time besides the kenner toys mm-hmm. was not what we're getting now you know, oh, and if, if you're a, if you're a Star Wars fan now of of nearly every ilk, and I do think there's a long way to go in terms of diversity in the storytelling.
0: OK, very true. Very true.
1: All right. That and, and I can't speak to it heavily because I am a white guy, <laughs> 45, right, no, 44 right. year old white guy. I, I, it's not my place to uh, judge that other than sure. to say I recognize that there is a deficiency. Absolutely. Beyond that. The amount of storytelling and the wonderful things that we're getting from the video games, the mm. comic books. Well, we have Dr. Afra, which I haven't even gotten into. But when I oh, do wow. read Dr. Afra, I'm like, why isn't there a TV show on Dr. Afra? Right. No, but that's she's true. She's
0: incredible. And, she is absolutely incredible.
1: And, and it doesn't have a heck of a lot to do with the Skywalker saga mm-hmm. at all times. Um, you know, Hera has made appearances and things like that. Sure. But I do think, you know, the, the kind of storytelling that we saw in the final arc of, of rebels, Yeah. Oh. did you ever think oh. that that was how it's going to end up? <laughs> never. I mean, my, never in a million years. Yeah. And, and, uh, I, I used to listen to the vlog brothers and, uh, oh, yeah. one of the, one of the brothers talked about, you know, what, what are books supposed to do there? He said, Books aren't supposed to make you go okay yeah that's fine okay. He said they're supposed to make your brain go Bla, blah blah blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <Right>. and <laughs> make and, you ask more questions. Yep. Exactly. So what I what I think and what I think is so amazing and probably is lost on a vast majority of the people watching it mm-hmm. is how deeply they're di- diving into um you know historical mythology but also right. pushing our own thought lines along wait a minute, you know, what if we're not the only dimension? What if we're not the only ones out there? What if this is not the way, you know, time being what it is, maybe maybe there are pathways that we haven't even imagined in our short time here on this planet. And, Mm. you know, those things, I sound like a, you know, tin hat guy right now, but as far as I'm concerned, I think the, the visual mediums are really what books used to be. Yeah. So... When I'm watching stuff, if it's not challenging me, I'm not watching it. And I will say the vast majority of what I've seen from the Disney Star Wars stuff has allowed me to take my old fandom and plug in in a way that I never dreamed about. And that includes the theme park stuff. And that includes Star Tours. And that includes my being able to watch all these brand new movies and see how many times these creators are referencing the original material. Um, Even last night, I went to see Bumblebee there's a direct yeah. three line quote from star Wars. <laughs> oh bumblebee. yeah. And I was like, okay, you know, and that's how important these movies have turned out mm. to be. Um, and how diverse that population is. I mean, bumblebee written by a woman. Right. Right. And so, you know, all of these guys who, who are, you know, shortchanging. changing, um, People based on anything other than their love of Star Wars, they
0: suck too. So
1: <laughs> it's I, right. I, I'm just. Oh, it's true. I'm tired of that stuff.
0: Me too. Absolutely. I'm. I'm absolutely sick and tired of the shortchanging of just just people who are creative minds, but just because they look different, carry a different sex or a different race, it's. I, I agree with you. Being a white 25 year old male, I have no right to speak for for them in particular, but from this perspective and much from yours as well, the one thing that really grabbed my attention when I, I first saw the stuff for The Mandalorian was, holy crap, Bryce Dallas Howard is going to be directing some episodes of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what a perfect person to come in. You know Ron Howard's going to be back there watching in, behind the scenes with what his daughter's going to be able to do with it. And I that was it's funny, out of the entire announcement of The Mandalorian... And Pasquale being the Mandalorian himself, and the and everybody else uh, coming on to the show, that was the one thing that stood out to me was that Bryce Dallas Howard was going to be working on some episodes.
1: Well, I'm looking at this as as a in a much broader view. I mean, if they're doing Mandalorian, what is the what is the Rogue One TV show going to look like? Oh, and and, yes, a Diego Luna whose birthday is today. Happy birthday. Happy Santa. birthday, Diego. Um but he went on on TV one time and said he really wasn't very religious. He he sort right. of believed in something like the force and he mm-hmm, explained mm-hmm. so you know these are people who are being pulled into the saga Absolutely. who who lived it. Yes. You know they're not yes. you know I I love Harrison Ford. I do. I I, I Indiana Jones and and Han Solo mm. are in the pantheon of the, the uh, yeah. Breach. But here, Diego Luna, who I think is a little bit younger than me, mm-hmm. he grew up just like I did, thinking about Luke Skywalker and Darth mm-hmm. Vader and Princess mm-hmm. Leia and it, this idea that they are being brought into. You know, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, who I'm sure through her father was a huge Star Wars fan. Oh, absolutely. These people who are creating these things lived it. Yes, believed in it. Yes. And, and while, you know, I don't think that we have uh, people who are cultish about it in the, in the creative side of things, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, these people believed in what George Lucas talked about, you know, in right being right, you know, right. and that um, cynicism not being uh, appropriate uh, all the time. And right. they, you know, is there something, there's something just so uplifting about the idea that you will continue to have things that you can share with your kids um, that aren't necessarily, you know, ancient fairy tales or, or, or um, along the lines of what we've seen from Disney over the years, but this whole other thing. And yeah. it has its own mythology and it has its own way of doing things and it has its own rules. And by the way, it's not science fiction and it's not action <laughs> adventure. Right. It is what George Lucas called space opera designed for 10-year-olds. Yep. Exactly. How awesome is that? And now you're going to take that and you're going to plug it into the world's greatest theme park. I yeah. mean yeah. you know, the, the things that bother me in world in the world are are, are very there's many. And I sometimes <laughs> right. just sit there and say, Right, on the one side we have all of this wonderful stuff, all of these creative minds doing this, and then we have this other junk. And and that's yes. at times why I choose um for the sake of my family, for the sake of my mental health, to to uh attach myself <laughs> to people like yourself, um and things oh. like um You know, DSNY newscast and and making Star Wars because they're on the right side of things. They're thinking about the creativity. They're thinking about the innovation. They're thinking about the storytelling. And they're thinking about what this means to the people who are coming up behind us. And I, I just think that's awesome.
0: That's right. I mean, I share it out all the time. There's that one image on the Brick City Twitter page of myself sitting there. And it says, we are preparing the next generation for Star Wars every conversation we have every podcast we record every article that we put out there to these to these younger kids but their parents are reading it and then they're telling their their kids like hey this is star wars this is the story this is what george lucas wanted to show us and i think that that's that's the whole point is just to prepare and you know what the disney parks star wars land you know galaxy's edge that that right there is Is taking that mindset of we are preparing the next generation for positivity and for what Star Wars is all about. That's exactly what that defines. And that's exactly what all of us are doing in the community, whether it's making Star Wars, whether it's DSNY News, whether it's yourself, John, whether it's me. It doesn't matter. We're all trying to spread that mindset that George was, was that, you know what, this is built for the 10 to 12 year old who's trying to find their way in the world and has to find the difference between what's good and what's wrong. And that's exactly what all of this defines. And I think that going forward, I think we just have to keep doing what we do best. And that's like you said, for our own sanities, kind of taking out whatever negativity is out there and what, what other things are being spewed to us and just focusing on the things that make us happy and make us do better for the world. That's truly what it is. Well,
1: I think so. And I, you know, when I was with the Bruins, um, being the beat writer for for BostonBruins.com, and then you know, as I've done things like uh, making Star Wars and DSNY, I, I've always believed that um, everybody's going through some sort of struggle every day. And mm-hmm. as a writer, as as a content producer, as somebody who is a father and um, is trying to learn from all of you know, forty four years of ups and downs in his life, mm-hmm. if I can, mm-hmm. if I can impart. 15 minutes, a half hour of fun into the day by pumping out some content that they maybe haven't seen or distilling down three or four different stories that they aren't going to have time to read between their, between their jobs. That's, you know, as somebody who has an avocation as a vocation, I know, I appreciate that. I know that having that distraction, uh, whether it's a, a wonderful painting by Shag or some great stuff from the big bad voodoo daddy who I just uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. went went down and interviewed. Um, you know, those things mean an awful lot to a lot of people. And if you can give a half hour of happiness to people every day, that's awesome. But here are people who are doing it <laughs> on a consistent basis all right. the time. And right. that's, that's just incredible.
0: It really is. And I think, where we sit back, and I always say this all the time, I don't know about yourself, John, but I'm like, I don't want to take any credit for that. because no, no. no. You, you really don't. I think there's a lot of people out there that try to look for that credit. I think we've seen a lot of that on Twitter. I think we've seen a lot of that with certain hate groups that are out there about one specific film, or no matter how you think about it, they're looking for a little something. And that that's something that I think each day, I think with what we do on Twitter and what we do across social media is, is to really tackle those people in, in, on social media and tell them, you know, you're trying to look for attention, but you're not going to get it with the way that you're approaching it and you just shut them out. That's all you can do. And, and I, encourage I people to do that.
1: Oh yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie to you and say I don't get fired up when someone retweets me. Oh, absolutely you know? not. But on the, on the, <laughs> on the flip side, um, you know, I went to Northeastern for uh, you know journalism and right. um, masters and, I and everyone we, I work with um, on, on both sides of the of the coin, we all practice proper journalistic citation, you know? And, right, of course. Um, and I think that if you do that, then you're on the right side of things, A, from the start, and B, you're allowing the conversation to move forward properly as opposed to... Um, the clickbaity things that happen and you know yeah, obviously yeah. there's there's a certain number of youtubers who believe that they have some sort of inside edge or don't believe that they have an inside edge and, <laughs> right. and suddenly you know major publications and and outlets are picking up on that of course now it, that stuff bothers me to high hell high oh heaven, absolutely me um and, and no and, you're good um, and um it, it really is one of those things where i'm hoping that as we move forward um as Content imbibers that mm-hmm, the the mm-hmm. good stuff rises to the top, and that um, you know, DSNY newscast making Star Wars yourselves, all all the things that are done properly sort mm-hmm. of rise to the level of of uh, more seen, and, right, right. and 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 here and there, if we're able to make a buck off that, that's awesome. Of course, of course, you know. But on the flip side of it, it is you know, I think it's more. Th- the engagement um, that floats my boat. You know, I, mm. I, you know I'd i love, especially as I get older and, and my peers on um, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and where I'm writing, they're getting older and perhaps dropping off or not necessarily sure. engaging. When I can engage people um, of all ages in any sort of conversation where they say, you know, I thought that too. Um, and to <laughs> a lesser extent, you know, no, I don't agree with you, but, uh, that's okay. You know, and those things, <laughs> right. um, that makes me really, really happy and, and, and it gives me something to talk to my, you know, my eight year old about and say, you know, this is what we're shooting for here. We're not, you know, uh, yesterday I did a very fun little, um, little thing on, uh, Oh, Periscope with, with Jack. And he's like, well, dad, how much, how much we're going to make off that? And I said, I said, Jack. <laughs> I said, Jack. I love you to death, but nobody's going to pay to to listen to you and I talk about Um, Um, Spider-Man. But if we do a good job enough times, maybe somebody will pay us to go watch Spider-Man or, you know, and and things like that. So he's starting to get it. And he, I think that the idea that I'm learning from him as a content um, consumer is good uh, because there's times when he's like, dad, you don't have to do it like that. That's so lame. You know, I'm like, Oh Oh, my God. Oh, wow. That's, that's very scary. Uh, (laughs) Right. You know? So, and then, you know, I, I am not one of those people who is, Oh, take the iPads away from the kids or, Uh or, you know, like I, and everyone will say, well, you know, as a society, we're much more closed. And then you you can show them the picture of all those people on the subways during the 1940s with a newspaper in their face or, <laughs> right. or or you can ask the question would you take a slide rule and a pencil away from a kid in 1955 mm. and 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 they look at you and i said well why would you take away their ipad or their phone which right. has access to all the information that they are ever going to need ever in terms of uh, you know, having to memorize dates and things. Yeah, now they yeah. have access to actually think about concepts and philosophy right, and all these things. Right. Right. Um, And so that, you know, when when someone's worried about how much I watch Star Wars or my kids are inter- interested in um, non-scholastic things, I remember just how much I learned. I knew Nazis were bad from the time I was, uh, it was 80, 81
0: <laughs> to right, right, right.
1: when, when Raiders of the Lost Ark came out. Oh yeah. I don't want to be like those guys. Those guys are bad. Right. And then, and you know, like I was, I was literally five or six years old when I figured that out. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, I remember seeing an interview or understanding that Lucas had based the empire on, on uh, fascist regimes regimes. and I'm like, okay, all right, right, right. All right. So now I, my politics are being formed by things that are other mm-hmm. than what's in my school book. Let's face mm. it, like at some point, all of those school books, especially when I was growing up, were coming from a very narrow point of view.
0: Oh, very, very and, narrow.
1: and so having having this ability to um see through other people's eyes, through their art or through their um through their writing has been mm-hmm. great. And then and on the flip side of it is now having you know interviewed Shag out there in California a couple mm-hmm. times and mm-hmm. and I asked him, you know, he's he's been asked so many times, he's like, well, you based your art on commercialism, you based your art on, on advertisement, you know, right. you know, what, what, how does that affect your art? He's like, well, all artists want to sell their work, Right. you know, right. I'm just, I'm owning it, you know, mm-hmm. I'm owning mm-hmm. the idea that I'm going to put my stuff on a, a bar of soap um, and feel happy when somebody buys it Yeah. Um, because I'm providing for my family and I, and I'm, I'm getting my art out there. You know, I kind of yeah. like that. I like the, you know, that's Very cool. He, you know, he, his uh, his art is called lowbrow. So I would say I mm-hmm. try to take a lowbrow approach when I'm when I'm looking
0: at things. There you go. There you go. That's the way to approach it too. Yeah, just just kind of pushing it out there, doing what you got to do to get the get the news out there, but also get something that you're very passionate about out to the public, to people who are probably listening to what we're talking about and reading what you guys do uh, over at Making Star Wars and DSNY and the whole the whole point of it all is to inform on a level of, you know, this is this is what's happening right now. These are things that are going on and like you said about the textbooks, sometimes those words have to be changed. Sometimes you have to be able to move with the times and I think even with Star Wars, Disney has done such a great job of moving Star Wars with the times. Has been able to take something that we remember with the original trilogy and everything and give us star Wars rebels, give us resistance, give us the comic books. And I, what the one person that still sticks out to me to this day um, is Claudia gray, everything that she's been able to do with the novels, um, whether it's uh lost stars, which is following of course, two teenagers, you know, people who are, are pretty much the age that's really getting into star Wars right now and truly understanding it. And when reading that book, I go back to when I was a teenager and being in that position and having to live up to the empire's standards and that whole balance between love and something that you're passionate for. I mean, Claudia Gray has done that across the board with everything that she's done. And now she's going to be taking on Qui-Gon Jinn and uh, Obi-Wan, which is going to be absolutely fascinating to see how that develops. uh, Well, my, my
1: love for Obi-Wan is, is uh, (laughs) I I like, here's the thing, you know, how often do you wake up in the morning and, and it, this, you know, I, I sound like an old fart when I say things like this, but I, I look in the mirror oh, and I'm stop. like, no, but like I have the kids, right? And, right, right? and so you're like, all right, I don't feel like doing this today. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I All I want to do is roll back into bed and read my comic books, all right? Yeah, but then right? you have the two-year-old who's saying, dada, let's you know do this. And uh, it puts a whole new perspective on yeah. Obi- Obi-Wan's life for me. Yeah, and and this this idea that now we're going to see how Qui Gon dealt with Obi Wan, yes, who uh, according to canon and according to legends was not an easy Padawan, not at all, and and so all those things you're talking about, not not to mention even that Claudia has given us outstanding stories, oh yes, um, uh, you know, in terms of seeing the eyes through a woman's eyes, yes, um, it, that's been incredible. But on the flip side. Here I get to read um, a woman's perspective on how a good "quote unquote" father would act, and yeah, how, how really cool, cool is that going to be? And so how many cool. different lessons can I take to say when the kids do something good or bad? Um, you know, I often put them in very stark. You know, are you trying to be Kylo Ren here? <laughs> right. and, and you got <laughs> you, you do laugh, it. you laugh. It's true though. It, it there. You know, I said you can do it that way. Or would you like to do it the luke skywalker way Ooh, and, and that's good parenting and, well not really because it's, it's oh a, st- it's, i don't know it's, it's a well it's a crutch it's a crutch but it also you know <laughs> right. when you're when you're tired and you've been up at five and you've had a yeah. uh, you know a, a long vocational day and you're looking forward mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. a long uh, avocational morning the things that you come up with to try to assuage uh (laughs) strife when in the house you 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 work pretty hard at it and i'm I'm lucky that i often don't necessarily um have to do that because my kids are great and and the the general my wife andrea she's she's incredible um Mm -hmm. but on the flip side of things you know i look for new perspectives as much as i can and claudia gray as a purveyor of those perspectives um even in the little manga thing that they yeah. did I, I hope they continue that because Please. that was that was incredible and and those things are mana you know like we don't know how long our mm-hmm. uh, our stay here on on this particular planet will be okay. and if you can fill your life with things that are positive and are looking ahead and looking up you know and then pass that on to the people who it's necessary to pass that on to you know, then you've, then you've done your job. And, um, as far as I'm concerned, she's a one heck of a writer, you know, I, oh, I, I sometimes wish that some of the writers Sewell and Glurt Gray and, um, actually some of the legends writers, I, Mm. I totally wish that some pieces of the canon weren't actually as fleshed out as they are Uh so that we would have a little bit more room to find out exactly why and how Django Fett, for instance, you know, um, Pulled it together, and because right. it feels like they've gone away from that, or they're sure. they're are they're, they're focusing on Boba, and they're focusing on the Clone Wars and things like that. But there mm. were a heck there were a heck of a lot of things in Legends that I did like, you know, particularly the Bounty Hunter mm-hmm. video game, and, oh, and yeah. uh, Django uh Jango Fett's origin story in that was, uh-huh,
0: was, was uh-huh. incredible.
1: And then so you know, I'm I'm looking forward to all of it, and you know, any sort of these, you know, I even love Resistance. Um, yeah. Do I do I, yeah. do I have that first or second season feel like I did in Rebels? Like where are they going? Yeah. Yes. Yes, I do.
0: You uh, do. Okay. Interesting.
1: But you know, I, I feel like it's coming to fruition. It's coming. It may not happen before the first season finale sure. for me. Yeah. Um, and it may not actually kick into gear until the second season. Very similar to the way Rebels did but there's something here and there's something mm-hmm, good mm-hmm. and the video style uh, the uh, animation style reminds mm. me so much of the anime that i uh enjoyed as a child star blazers and voltron oh, uh, yeah, and 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 in particular robotech um mm. it, it's it's awesome and uh, i'm really glad to see it coming to a point where now my, my son is now asking, well, dad, we got to catch up with, with resistance.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Because you can't push them into it because otherwise they won't like it.
0: That's right. You know, like
1: if, if dad says this is cool immediately, it's not cool. No, it's not. So, you know, (laughs) so I just, I just basically do what I do. And if they, if they jump on the train, awesome, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's and you know, and that's just the natural progression of it too. I mean, you know, it, it's one of those things, and I hear this all the time from Christopher James Letty, Mister Vintage Viewport himself here at the network. Uh, you know, he's got he's got two young daughters, and it's another thing where his his oldest daughter, uh, he's trying to like say like, hey, this is Star Wars, this is this, this is that, and he's not forcing it, but. It's one of those things that when Chris is listening to it or watching it, his daughter will come over and, and will therefore become curious about it. And you know, I've seen many pictures of her playing with the little Rebel Commandos and having the little uh, Ahsoka action figure amongst the rest of her toys. It's just one of those things. It's a, it's a special bond, and, and it's just so nice to see that 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 adaptation amongst Star Wars fans does happen. Uh, it doesn't happen with everybody, of course. You know, there's there are kids that are still into voltron transformers other things and then move their way into star wars later in life but it's just so nice to see those connections as families with star wars and to see that it bonds everybody together and like we've been saying here folks you know galaxy's edge is is going to be another one of those bonding points i feel for families across the world and across this country as well in times that are you know can be pretty sad and and pretty depressing there's something like that, that that lays out there for all of us to enjoy. And we're not gonna stop. Like that that's what I'd love to say all the time to people. And I'm sure John, you say this to people as well. You know, they're like, Oh, how can you do what you do in this world right now? And it's like it actually motivates us. Like it it's it's a reason to keep talking about the things that we're passionate about. It's a reason to keep pushing a very positive message. And to bring families together and to have these conversations, I, I feel it, it really is that where where other people are just like, eh, you know what, I'm just going to deal with what's going on. No, be passionate about something and don't let it skew you and push you off track. You know,
1: it, I I, I almost important. feel like it's almost more selfish for me, Robin. You know, sure, the, sure. The the idea that I have someone like Kathleen Kennedy to look up to, sure, right, and her ability to transcend all these different genres, and now different medias, while the head of a major corporation. Yeah, It's, uh, you know, I think one of the hardest things as, as we get older is that how often our mentors fall away. Um, sure. not, not because they've done something wrong, right. Right, or right. because um, something is um, nefarious, but mm-hmm. but just because you've outgrown them, Sure and I'm sure. never gonna outgrow Kathleen Kennedy. I'm never gonna outgrow um, Carrie Fisher. I'm never gonna grow outgrow Mark Hamill. No um, because these <laughs> people allow based on their perspective on things and the ability to not care or give a crap about whether mm-hmm. people like them or not, there's an honesty to Mark Hamill's yeah. tweets. There was a, a sincere sincerity to everything that Carrie Fisher did. Absolutely. And and I have to say that watching Kathleen Kennedy ignore the crap out of all the haters <laughs> That's right. and consistently be on the forefront of the movie making business yeah. is inspirational. And having those moments of inspiration are important to all of us, no matter the age. And I think that um, as I move into my mid forties, the thing that star wars keeps giving me is inspiration and um something to look forward to because let's face it our jobs um are often tedious uh, or are are, are often not what we wanted Mm -hmm. but they're necessary particularly you and i working in education etc absolutely um we have an important role to play and being you know but uh, sometimes in every job, whether you know, I used to work at Taco Bell when I was in high school, mm-hmm. up until what I'm doing now, there are t- there's tedium in every job, and absolutely. so having this this ability to see that, I'm sure there's an awful lot of tedium in Bob Iger or Kathleen Kennedy's,
0: job. Yeah, absolutely,
1: and seeing how they deal with it. You know, I just read that Bob Iger gets up at four fifteen in the morning to do his stairmaster. And that he's yeah. having breakfast with his wife at six, uh, at 6 o'clock and he's in the office at 645 having read the newspaper, right? Wow. Now, wow. I, and this is a man who's in his 60s talking about innovation and making sure that they're staying at the forefront. I can right. learn from that because Absolutely. there's times where I'm like, oh my God, there's a, new, there's a new social media network. I just, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want a new, I don't want a new iPhone. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to learn how to use that new camera. And, why do I have to, why do I ha- why can't I put borders on my Instagrams? <laughs> right, you know, like I love right. doing that. And and you know, <laughs> you know? so it's like, it, I feel like um, this ability to continue learning um, yeah. a-, a la Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi, yeah, which I think was right. the main, I literally think that that is the point yeah. that so many people missed, mm-hmm. is that you're never done being a Jedi. Nope. Right? You are learning right. the entire time. And 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 Luke was trying to impart that on, um, on Ray. You know, you're not a superhero, is what he was trying to say. That this is, you know, more um, closely connected to the entire universe than you just having this power. Um, yeah. And and he needed to be reminded by that about that by somebody who had passed into the beyond and had all of the knowledge necessary at that point to give that advice. And so uh, every time I, I saw. I saw Last Jedi in the theaters, I, I want to say, 10 times. And, oh, yeah. And every time I came away with something new. Absolutely. Whether it was that first time when it was just the visceral experience mm-hmm. or the last time, you know, uh, or, you know, in the middle there where I, I, I really, truly understood as a teacher, as somebody who's um, working in education, how important that line of uh, we are what they grow beyond.
0: Oh, yes.
1: I mean, come on. I mean, yes. and, and honestly, that has informed my parenting sense. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it's, um, i am not always this philosophical guys, by the way, yeah. this is, <laughs> you know, this is me having, um, a quiet moment. Um, knowing that the door is shut and that the children are upstairs happily playing with mom, um, <laughs> I, I, I am usually a little bit more visceral, and I'm not so in my head. So I apologize.
0: For that. No, that's the whole point here, man, is to really dig into this stuff. Like that's that's what make the jump is all about. If you listen to the episodes, I mean, Caden Patrick, Caden uh, Stetler, and myself, we always get very philosophical with it. And that, but that's what Star Wars is. It's a very philosophical conversation, and, and it's something that, like, like you said, it, it goes beyond what we've been taught. It goes beyond what has been presented to us. And we're allowed to think, and we are allowed to, because of this franchise and everything that this world has given us, we are allowed to have those thoughts and to share them. And that's what's so special about this entire thing. Well,
1: thank God too, because otherwise we would have been, we'd we'd have to read the Odyssey over and over. (laughs) <laughs> hey, which is That's great. True. You know what? You know yeah, what? You can farce. read the Odyssey, and it can be a very, as I said, visceral experience about absolutely. what a guy is doing when he's, you know, stuck away from home, <laughs> or, or you can get there real deep. But after reading it a number of times, at least we yeah. have new stuff coming all the time. That's and true. And I apologize for breaking in there. I know you had another thought. No,
0: no, absolutely sure. not. That was, that was actually perfect. <laughs> that was absolutely <laughs> perfect. I loved it. Uh well, I think we've gotten to that point here on Make the Jump. John, I don't know if you know this part of the show on any show that we do here at the Podcast Network. It's a little thing we like to call plug time here at the BrickCityBlockade.com Podcast Network. John, where can the good people find you across social media?
1: Alright, every... Uh, first off, let, uh, let me give a plug. Another shout out to sure. um, dsnynewscast.com and makingstarwars.net and um, the, that's where you're going to get as much of me as possible. Um, but if you want to just make it easy on yourself, uh, follow me at Twitter at JM Bishop at JM Bishop Jr. and uh, that'll be where you can find um, where what I'm doing, what I'm what I'm thinking about, why I'm frustrated, what's going on in my world. <laughs> and then uh, I, I really do hope that you interact with me. Uh, as I said, I'm always trying to learn. And lots of perspectives are important, especially when, when, uh, the world is so strange at the moment. But, uh, in the, in the meantime, uh, to be a little less philosophical, we can at least try to buy the time between now and December, um, a little, a little easier together.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You guys can follow me over on Twitter at Mr. Bo tweets, check out all my tomfoolery and everything happening in my life over on Instagram. At the official vote, check out www.brickcityblockade.com for everything happening in the friendom that brings the unity to the community here at the Podcast Network. Patreon to support the network, T Public to rock the network, and please make sure to continue to join our efforts. A galaxy of joy with Starlight Children's Foundation, bringing smiles to kids' faces in hospitals around the country and around the world. It means a lot to us, it means a lot to our friend Stephen Stanton, and it means a lot to the entire Star Wars community. John, it's been so awesome having you on Make the Jump, my friend. We hope to have you on very soon, and a Happy New Year to you as well.
1: May the Force be with all of you.
0: Always.